You're listening to T-Week, a short weekly podcast about all things Carlton Football Club. Hey folks, it's Jason here and this is a special big episode of T-Week. While Eli will give his review uh, of the game on Friday's episode, uh, I can just say it was a delight winning back-to-back, and if it wasn't for Melbourne winning, would be a game out of the finals. Um, anyway, moving on, uh, this episode is the second half of the chat I had with Jeva Bastiani from Siren Sport, and the promised episode about the Carlton's AFLW trade period, and uh, how that went down, and, and what took place, and, and how it all resulted for us. So uh, strap yourselves in, Gemma's a real scholar of AFLW, and uh, check her out, Siren Sport, GL Bastiani on, on Twitter and Instagram. And um, yeah, we'll uh, have her back later in the year once uh, the, the draft, the AFLW draft kicks in. Uh, anyway, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll chat again on Friday. Well, actually on that, we, we kind of skipped past it. Um, Gemma, just explain a bit about your area because we're moving into now talking about the AFLW. The season's been finished for a little while now. Carlton didn't finish the season as well as expected off the back of the two previous seasons. We've gone through draft period. AFLW is your, I don't want to say baby because you haven't birthed it, but it's definitely your niece, I would say. It's definitely something that you have spent a lot of time in, around, and... uh talking, writing. Anyway, you tell them who you are and why they should listen to you on football and AFLW. <laughs> um, thank you, I guess. <laughs> uh, so I'm Gemma Bastiani. I am a co-founder of Siren, a women in sport collective. So uh, we are seven women invested in women's sport, sport in general, but women's sport in particular. Um, so we are a content platform. So we write about women in sport, not just the athletes, but women on all lines. Um, We also have emerging sports writer programs where we uh, help integrate emerging diverse voices into sports writing um, and do a few other things. So that's what Siren is. I particularly specialize in AFLW and AFLW stats and analysis. So um, in case anyone wasn't aware, uh, yeah, so stats and analysis is my thing. Um, I think that it's really important that we analyze on-field success or failure or uh, strategy a lot because that's the next step in coverage of women's sport and Mm. footy is obviously the thing that I want to do that for. Um, So, yeah, sorry for rambling, but I mostly have covered it, right? (laughs) Yeah, 100%. And and you do a a range of of reviews and... Um, podcast talking about AFLW and AFL yeah. through that as well. Um, I do that. So give a bit of a plug for that. If you want to hear Gemma talk, you've been on the Outer Sanctum, you've featured on the Sydney Football Club website as of today, yeah. which is very, uh, very cool to get that link sent through just to see. <laughs> it's just like knowing you've having known you for a while and knowing like what you're passionate about and seeing that passion be noticed on a broad scale is pretty exciting Thank exciting you. for me as an outsider you know <laughs> as a friend rather than 
So I know I've, I've teased it for the last uh, maybe three weeks or so, um, but the AFLW draft trade period. period. Draft, trade. draft hasn't happened yet. Tra- uh, trade period okay. happened. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, there's a lot of words. and um, That's okay. The AFLW trade period. Yes. Um, there was a lot of movement for Carlton and on on the surface, there was a lot of people in the comments of a lot of the announcements being quite vocal against the coach as though the coach is, you know, changing the team. And, and we, you know, Carlton's built on many, many decades of success. And in the AFLW, we kind of tasted that success relatively early in the piece playing the grand final against Adelaide. Disappointing result, but we made it at least looking good in 2020 before the season got shut down. Coming into this year with so much promise, only to at the end of the season, some of the biggest names in AFLW moving on from the club. Gemma, summarise what happened for Carlton in the trade period. What I'm still kind of a little bit surprised on some of the moves. Yeah, so I think that um, the hysteria around the players that left Carlton was maybe a bit overblown because when we actually break it down player by player, there's a very clear reason as to why each of them had moved on. So let's go through who actually left. So Katie Loins, co-captain of the club, stalwart. Um, mm. She and Alison Downey were both kind of moved on from the club. Uh, Katie Loins is 35, Alison Downey is 36. Clearly the club is going for youth. And that included, unfortunately, saying goodbye to two inaugural blues. Yeah. Sometimes those are hard decisions you have to make. Um, both have found... New and we did talk about Hawthorne before doing a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's hard for fans. Five years. It's hard for fans at the time. Um, but both have found... I think really appropriate new club. So Katie Loins is now at the Giants and Alison Downey has been signed by Collingwood as a delisted free agent. So I think that is, I think that's fairly positive. Um, Chloe Dalton, she's obviously gone to GWS as well. Again, she's a dual code athlete who is based in New South Wales for her rugby sevens. Um, Unfortunately today, she's announced that her broken cheekbone is going to keep her out of the Olympics, which is why she was inactive last year which is incredibly upsetting. Um, but she's going to be wonderful for GWS. But again, it's a it's a specific reason why she moved on. She can now yep. juggle both sports rather than have to choose one over the other, especially with the changing time of the year. Yes. Um, Taylor Harris, well-documented. Her mind- I feel like we can loop back to that one because there's a lot to unpack there. Taylor? Right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll go through the others because I feel like we can spend an extra – on her and Jess, we can – there's a few more minutes on that one. Well, they're the only two left, really. So Jess Edwards and Winnie Lang were both delisted. Jess Edwards um, was a, kind of a fringe player for a very long time. Yeah. And again, they're clearly targeting something specific. And then mm. Winnie Lang was probably the surprise of all of it because she seemed like a fairly talented young player who was only drafted last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if she found herself back on a list come expansion time next year and the year yeah. after. Um, coming into the club, Jess Dalpoz, who is an inaugural giant. She's a Darabin Falcon. So she's coming back to join Darcy Vessio and Aliso Day, yep. who you gained last year. 
I think Jess Delpoz is a wonderful addition. Um, her work off the half back line and in the midfield will be super beneficial. She's a really mm. clever ball user. So she will probably replace Jess Hosking um, in a similar sort of role where she can kind of play anywhere, but um, she'll be most effective either in the midfield or coming off half back. Yeah. Can we talk about Taylor Harris now? I was going to say, just you're saying we've gained Jess Delpoz and our current draft picks. Yeah. We've got 10 and 11, 23, 26, 40 and 58. So they're fairly like, they're not super high end, but they're fairly solid well, ones to get certain players good enough to bundle together to be able to move up. Do you want to know what they actually are in Victoria? Because that's real. Oh, what we need do to remind talk me. About. Yes. So, so, so for those who aren't aware, it does get, you can only pick in your state, isn't it? Like if they, they are grouped together with the other teams in your state. Yeah. So play, players, not uh, draft prospective draftees nominate, which uh, state they're willing to be drafted in. Some players yeah. will nominate the country they're willing to move, but others will just nominate their region. So Carlton actually holds 6, 7, 14, 16, 24 and 34 in Victoria. So that's actually a really strong draft hand having 16 with um, within the top 20, uh, 16, yeah. sorry, uh, four in the top 20. So yeah. that's, you can see that they made that concerted effort to move up the draft order, get youth in. Carlton were in fact the youngest side in the comp last year, or this year, okay. which is surprising even with a 35-year-old, a 36-year-old on the, on the list. Yeah, that shows yeah. you just how kind of bottom heavy this side is and that's just going to happen again. But again, I think it's following Melbourne's lead of last year, preparing for expansion as well. Yeah. So we do want to talk about Taylor and Jess, but the overall with the names we've mentioned, what's come in, the draft picks do you think it was a favourable... Actually, no, we will save that for, for later because there is a bit to unpack there. Taylor Harris moving from Carlton. There was conversations before around uh, her asking price, which I think those on the surface are fairly understandable. And the general narrative is that that then didn't fit with Carlton, but also what's how's that come to a point where one of the most recognisable faces in women's football, if not women's sport in Australia, and a, a woman who used to live around the corner, I'd see her at the park when I'd go and get a coffee when I still lived in Melbourne and never actually got a chance to say hello because I was too chicken, um, has left Carlton. What's, what's the story? Give us the... This is realistically, this is the main reason I brought you on is to break it into this a little bit more uh, <laughs> because this is your area. Well, I, th I think for off the bat, what we need to understand is the way that it's been um, reported in the media isn't wholly accurate. Um, so when we talk about an asking price and whether that reported asking price is correct or not, um, mm. the asking price isn't just for her playing matches at footy. At Carlton, the asking price was for the marketing value she brings to the club as an external role to being a player at that club. So yeah. I think it's really important that we acknowledge that she's not asking for hundreds of thousands of dollars for a nine, 10 week season um, because it's just frankly not true. So that's the first thing we need to kind of establish is that 
when people are reporting, uh, I should clarify, when men are reporting on <laughs> um, salaries for AFLW players, AFLW players can't and list managers can't offer um, more than what the tiered structure dictates. It's a very yeah. rigid structure that doesn't allow any movement, which means trades become far more difficult because how do you offer someone more than what you're allowed to offer? So yes. it's almost like a cap within a cap. At, at Carlton, brown paper bag slash Vizzy partnership. <laughs> anyway, we have a track record, everyone. Yeah, so that's the first thing we need to accept is that the $150,000 or whatever the genuine value was of that uh, request wasn't just for matches of footy. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, whether she was happy at the club or not, whether she was prioritizing boxing or not, we we don't know because I don't know her. I haven't asked her. Um, yeah. Maybe she wanted a fresh start, which is we don't begrudge male players for asking for that. So I don't know why we begrudge Taylor Harris for asking for that. Um, mm. So I think it's a beneficial move for both parties. So Melbourne get her solely on a playing contract. So there's no external funds for her. Um, And she gets to play with her mentor in Daisy Pierce and Carlton, you know, they didn't get a lot out of it, but they've got cap space. Now they've got list space to bring in someone like just Del Poz and potentially the next. um, So a Charlie Rowbottom or a Georgie Prosparkis, who I don't think will get through to your first picks, to be honest, but they have the potential to build that from the ground up. Melbourne's in a position where they just needed one or two extra players to really challenge for a flag next year. Carlton yep. really weren't in the position to do that. Um, so it makes mm. sense for both parties. Does that cover it? Yeah. I think we should add that Gemma is a very passionate um, Melbourne AFLW supporter, member. Until the Swans Not- team. Until the Swans <laughs> team is... Been, like Full disclosure here, but the... Uh, so I can see why you're there's a you are uh, at a point where you can say yeah I can see the benefit for Melbourne out of this even without the level of I'm excited that Taylor Harris is coming to Melbourne, but the the way that the club seemed to have portrayed it seemed very similar to what you were saying is that it's not a loss it's a loss for Carlton in terms of her as a personality as a figure as a dynamic player when she's on um, both on the field and off the field. But it is as though it just, it was the right time for them to break up the way that the yeah. club had referenced it. You know, there wasn't bad blood. It wasn't as though they've come out on a, you know, slinging match saying, you know, you're doing this, you're not doing this, you're not living up to your end. So yeah, on one hand, I'm ready to barrack against her when she plays when Melbourne and Carlton play each other, but um, I think that's that's the hardest thing with the women's league is knowing that there's not that job security uh, for the players. So to move, it will be more fluid in the first ten years or so until there's a really good, solid. Well, yeah, until they're full-time athletes, you can't – okay, until they're paid as full-time athletes because realistically there's no such thing as a part-time athlete. You have to stay fit and skilled all throughout the year, 
whether you're paid for yeah. the time or not. Um, but the thing is, until they are paid as full-time professional athletes, they have to prioritize their long-term future. And if that means, mm. if that means going to a different club because you feel more comfortable there, or it's closer to home, like Aliso Day, then they have every right to do that because the clubs can only offer them so much, and the way the league is structured right now can only offer them so much. Yes, that's, and that's the. Hu- oh, sorry, my phone's just buzzing off with uh, group chat on the uh, current football match, which we shall not. Uh, specifically here because it could be recorded on Saturday night. It could be recorded a week ago. So I'm watching um, it behind our Zoom chat as well. I should say that. Yeah, we've both got the scores going here. And, no, no, and I literally have the game on behind your head. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be too distracted. Um, now, we'll, so that we can watch the last couple of minutes of the game, we'll... Uh, That's okay. We'll, I'm watching we'll it keep... already. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Taylor, Taylor Harris is in the top... Uh, 1% of AFLW players, along with your and notable, recognisable names, Daisy, um, Darcy, uh, Sabrina, Aaron Phillips, Phillips, um, you know, in in that top percentage. Now, if a player of a similar... Do you think that the conversation around it, around her move, not exactly the same phrasing of it, do you think that's a parallel if it was a, a Bond? Well, even take Cripps, for example. If Cripps had ended up going to Fremantle or WA or if, um, you know, Bond who re-signed you know, a few weeks back had decided not to, do you think there's a, the parallel level with the, the level of uh, personality that she is, is is fair and reasonable? Or do you think that it was still an uneven... I don't necessarily mean should she have been talked about more, uh, but do you think that the conversations around her decision was fair and reasonable in comparison to if it was the same level of star in the in the men's league? Um, not to be that person, but I think we need to acknowledge that no conversation about AFLW ever happens in the same way it would in the men's because there's always a tinge of you know misogyny to it. So, but the the close and Taylor Harris is a, a lightning rod for a lot of that, really. I was going to use the same phrase, yeah. Yeah, which is you know, it's a blessing and a curse, I guess. Um, I think, and this will probably an example that a lot of people will just kind of roll their eyes at, but I think the closest example of it that I can think of um, is the Buddy Franklin move, because. Mm-hmm. Hawthorne didn't match the bid, so it was a money factor, but it was also a lifestyle factor. And mm-hmm. he was the biggest name in the game at the time. I mean, he's still one of the biggest names in the game and it's glorious, but um, he was one of the biggest names in the game at the time. He moved for lifestyle and money, and it was fairly acrimonious the way it was talked about in the media especially when the GWS kind of factor was included into it. Um, It's also going to be interesting to see how it plays out um, as to how Melbourne go. Because, again, Melbourne on kind of the precipice of being a premiership side with the addition of a Taylor Harris and the addition of an Olivia Purcell. 
the, the conversation around Buddy has always been no premiership, Buddy was a waste of time. Is that going to be the conversation people have around Taylor Harris? That's the thing yeah, that I'll come, be interested come out and win for. next year and Taylor miss out again because, you know, uh, who was the Richmond player? He slips my mind. Brett Delidio. Um, Delidio, yeah, who missed out on the premiership by going to, to the, Gold Coast by... Uh, got GWS. Yeah, GWS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But the reason I compare it is uh, the factors behind the move, but also the way the media talked about it. Obviously, there's this really awful tinge of misogyny that seems to cover every single anything about women's sport, which is really disappointing. Um, so there's that factor there as well. But in terms of how Buddy was talked about and covered by the media... Um, is yep. very similar to this. Yeah. I, I don't think that's too far of a stretch at all to say that because the high-end players, the top 1% of players don't move around a hell of a lot and there's always a lot of conversation about will they, won't they. Uh, and for when it's happened relatively um, peacefully overall, um, well, the only one, pretty uh, rarity. The only one in the AFLW that I, that I can think of that was maybe not peacefully spoken about, but not really spoken about as much at all was Brianna Davey. She's the only one. Yeah. That's, that's, I think there's still a little bit of Carlton supporters who look at that and go, we lost our captain and the next year we lose the star, the, the, you call a franchise player almost in, in another sporting league. You know, if, if it was an NBA or a, you know, Taylor Harris is a franchise player. So you're losing two two players in two years. Three years. And yeah. then, sorry, three years. And then you're losing a Jess Hosking as well, which we haven't even touched on, which came out of the blue. And you go, what's, which side is, uh, what's going on here? Is it players who are, have moments? Um, or is it the coaching staff that are having a, yeah, these are the questions that I think a lot of people in the comments of, of these posts were saying. It's like, what what's going on here? Why does it look like we're losing all these players? But it's easy it's easy to focus on who's left, but have a look at who signed on for two years. Darcy Vessio signed oh. on for two more years. Nat Plain, Gab Pound, Maddie Prasparkis, like Grace Egan. It- Leo Wiffy, Harrington's back in. Mackay, who's going to be great. Mimi Hill, which I'm excited to kind of see some more of next year. Yeah, so it's easy to focus on four or five players that have left, but look at who signed on and not just signed on for one year, but two years, which is the maximum in AFLW. So um, let's it, it's, it's easy to dwell on that stuff, but also it, it's more fun to look at the positive. Yeah. It's been very hard for Carlton supporters to dwell on the positives because they've been so spread out over the last period of time. So even though the, the W is its own beast, it's still a Carlton and Carlton tragics to still have the same feelings towards yeah, absolutely. The as they do absolutely. to men. And, and Mel- I mean, the club is the club. I can promise you Melbourne players are the same. I don't follow Melbourne in the men's, but my brother certainly does. And, you know, both Melbourne's women's and men's sides missed out on finals by percentage in the same year. So enjoy that one. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I do love 
this is off on a, on a tangent though, but uh, when Tony Cochran talking to Nick Rewalt about uh, premierships, and Nick Rewalt I think is a fairly decent media like he, decent media spokesperson. Uh, he's, he's not like your cancels. He doesn't go too crazy with his with his <laughs> like. He doesn't throw lots of stuff at a wall. He's much like he plays. He plays pretty like straight for the ball. But uh, if you didn't hear it, Tony Cochran, uh, Nick Rewalt asked Tony Cochran about um, Gold Coast not winning premierships or, or, or their goal. And for Tony Cochran to turn around and say, well, Nick, uh, as you and your St Kilda uh, <laughs> colleagues would know, having only won one premiership in uh, however many years, uh, I just thought that was just, I know it's not Carlton related, but boy, just to hearing that perspective from time to time is quite amusing. I mean, if you're going to, anyway. if you're going to take it one way, you got to be willing to take it back as well, right? <laughs> oh, that's exactly right. Exactly right. Now we've talked a bunch. Um, we actually, Jess Hosking, I've brought up a couple of times because I'm a big fan of, the Hosking twins. Uh, I only remembered the difference because Jess would wear number 11 and she's got the double <laughs> S's. Um, and uh, Sarah obviously doesn't know. Well, there's two A's but in Sarah, but that just, that's besides the point. Yeah. At the last minute, she trades to Richmond, whether uh, to be with her sister or to be... Yeah, you like. you say at the last minute, but I can't express just how last minute this trade was. So tell me more. The trade period was meant to end at two p.m. Yes, that's two p.m. And at ten minutes to two, this request came in, and everyone's like, "Well, is it going to happen? Is it not?" And the AFL allowed it to be ex- extended. Uh, by two more hours. So it wasn't the only trade that went through after 2 p.m., but it was the biggest trade that went through after 2 p.m. Yeah. Because it, it did go – the AFL extended for an extra few hours after that, didn't they, to kind of get through? Yeah, because Vivian Saad also went through late. I think there might have been a, a pick swap that went through late as well. Um, yeah. so, so Jess Hosking leaving, again, like we have to consider – the individual reason that player left. She wanted to play with her sister again. It's it's not like she's gone to a club separate from her sister. Then you could start to wonder what might yes. be happening. But she's gone to play with a twin who she's played with her whole life and after a year apart realised that that wasn't for her. The club was able to get it done. They got draft picks in and you move on. Also, I I love the Hosking twins. I think they're wonderful for footy. Um, yep. I think they're good players, but Jess is a role player and, and that's yep. not a bad thing. I love role players. I mean, Robbie Fox is my favorite men's player. What, what a, opinion do I have? But, you know, <laughs> role players are important to a team, but if you find someone that matches that work rate, which Jess Del Poz coming in absolutely does. Yeah. It's not the biggest loss in the world. She'll be a loss for fans because she is a fan favorite. She is. But in the reality of on-field performance, I don't know that it's going to make... She had a great season this year. But again, you, you bring in a Jess Dalpoz, you kind of break even, if not win there. Mm. That's a good point. 
I think putting it that way, definitely a fan favorite. Definitely both Taylor and Jess and and Katie Loins as well. Like there are some fan favorites. Whether the their position in the team is in purely and actually match day and actually on the ground, um, you know, obviously there's a plan there, and uh, not just a plan, but also like we've talked about external reasons, but. It does hurt when fan favourites go. And uh, I think that's what we've seen with the Carlton trade period. With that being said, how overall do you think it went? If we're looking at the AFL media, uh, they rated it really low. The Carlton had a really rough, really uh, disappointing trade time. Uh, How do you feel that you can be rough, like we're Carlton supporters. We're we're disappointed in ourselves as much as the team. So, no, I. D- how do you think it went? I don't think you can look at it as a big loss or anything. Um, I think they played their hand with Taylor Harris before the trade period even started, um, which meant that they couldn't force Melbourne to give them a lot for her. So that was probably the yeah. biggest loss of it all. Not losing her, but having played their hand in a way that they couldn't fight to keep her if they didn't get enough um, because, you know, she could have threatened to just walk as a delisted free agent and walk to Melbourne for nothing. So I think that was the biggest issue of this trade period. I think the communication of Katie Loins and Al Downey not being at the club anymore was unclear. Um, It was kind of suggested that they were retiring, um, but that was not the reality. So I think that was not fair on fans. Um, But other than that, yeah, look, Chloe Dalton, um, she's a loss because they need someone of her caliber. She didn't play this year and they have um, Brooke Walker in the side. If they can get Brooke Walker fit, then that's not as painful for them. And they go to the draft. So I think we have to hold our, hold our breath until post-draft to really establish how they've gone because they did trade to get draft picks. So, let's evaluate once we've seen who they've drafted. Um, yeah. But I think certainly as um, – sorry, Swamp's just tweeting uh, – messaging me and my everything is going off. Um, That's one thing that we should say about Gemma is that she's got a direct line to Sir Swamp thing on Twitter and, <laughs> like, that's as cool as anything else that she's done, I think. <laughs> um. Yeah. Sorry, not not meant to belittle the rest of your years <laughs> no, of work, but okay. um, I like that. I know that Sir Swamp Thing is a real person, but I love that it's, it's the enigma that like you just have a, 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 a tapped into a direct line to the enigma that is that's now that now the zeitgeist, the reference of asking for his best Carlton stat, his best. No, I, don't do that. He's probably too busy working. He's he saved in my phone as Swamp. What what's the What's the what's the stat that he sent you? What's the content? Oh, he sent me one of his tweets, so I haven't looked at it yet. Okay. Um, We're getting sidetracked. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. But Carlton, I think, yeah, if, if, if they can succeed at the draft, knowing that there's expansion coming um, and knowing that they have specific gaps to fill now that they've lost a few players, I think they can absolutely uh, win out. The biggest thing, if I were them, that I would be looking for would be midfield defence. 
because their defense to the middle of the ground this year was quite poor and it it left their defense defenders out to dry a lot and it didn't allow for much clean delivery forward until late in the season yeah they and and losing Katie Loins who was their leading tackler this year on on average um so I think absolutely midfield defense or or some midfielders that are willing to apply that defense like Abby McKay is that Mm. is what I would be looking for as a Carlton fan for them to be getting out of the draft and there's plenty of those sorts of midfielders available in this draft pool amazing how great would it be to have both the McKays uh in the same team so you got Abby us obviously in the W and then uh, I've forgotten the son's name who's up, I think, this year in the draft. Oh, I didn't know the that there was a well. son. Yeah, there's a son as well. I can't remember what his name is. Maybe he's even another year away, but um, I love those kind of stories. Do you want to know which sister of an AFLM player is coming up to be drafted this year? Here we go. James Rowbottom's sister, Charlie, and she's a Jet, and she plays very similarly to him. She's the kind of player that you probably would want at Carlton and then be willing to give up to expansion to Sydney when they get the team. Great. I'll take them. (laughs) Um, One more question, Gemma, and this is a personal interest question more so than um, a a Carlton-related question. The following along with the VFLW and Darabin sitting pretty, pretty healthily on the bottom at the moment. Yeah. Is that okay? Is that much like, uh, say for example, the Port Adelaide Magpies, um, whose team has, was sort of decimated by the actual AFL team coming in and the Sandville restrictions and all of these things people been taken out of this really successful club. They're probably the best parallel, actually, because the amount of success that Darabin's had and the amount of success that the Magpies had and now their teams that are sitting at a lower level in their competitions are, are almost a, a shell of previous um, successes. Is that is that where they're at? Because it's such a big name in, in... Like, you look at all of the star players, a bit of hyperbole, but all the star players have gone through Darabin at some point or... You know, you, you think of, again, my, my Daisy Pierce is the perfect example, but there's so many players that have gone through the Darabin system and it's really disappointing to see that they're in that spot. Or are they just in their usual ebb and flow of being a football club? No, well, so Darabin were part of the VWFL before the AFL took over that competition and it became the VFLW. This yep. was in, a, in an effort to align those clubs with um, AFLW clubs. The issues there are that uh, there's there's a lot of issues there. One being that Darabin is not a club that has a lot of money, whereas AFL clubs yeah. have money to spend in those programs. So that's one yep. thing. Another thing is the fact that a lot of those players got drafted out of Darabin and then were then contractually obliged to play for that club's VFLW affiliate. So they, a yep. lot of those players can no longer play for Darabin because they're – so Darcy Vessio, for example, if she were playing VFLW, she'd be playing for Carlton, and that has taken a lot of their talent out. Of course, I didn't know that. Not every player. Some players have it stipulated. So Lauren Pierce, for example, has it stipulated that – 
um, she would continue to play for Darabin despite playing at Melbourne, who are affiliated yep. with the Casey Demons. But a lot of players are contractually obliged to play for those affiliates. So that's an yep. issue. And then the ones that aren't or have the power to say no, a lot of them are older. So are preserving their bodies during the winter to then extend their AFLW career. So a Daisy Pierce, yep. a Karen Paxman, um, Darcy Vessio is another one who isn't playing at Darabin but has in the past they're not playing VFLW footy because they're trying to preserve their body to then play another AFLW season or another five AFLW seasons. So it's kind of a threefold thing where clubs with money come in, clubs are making their players play for them instead, and then Mm -hmm. a lot of the players that have come through that Darabin system are on the older side now. So I'm concentrating on... AFLW instead of a state competition. Yeah. So it has really yeah. hurt Darabin. And I think it's something that we need to look at because Darabin absolutely has been a massive pioneer for women's footy in Victoria. The, what they have done is unprecedented. They won yeah. 10 premierships. Like they won 10 premierships through the 2000s. They won five in a row twice. Like, it's wild. And then the talent they've produced. So we've talked about Daisy, Karen Paxman, Lauren Pierce, Darcy Vessio, Eliso Day, Jess Del Poz, Annalise Lister up at um, GWS. There are so many players yeah. that come through that system and not just players, but coaches. Jane Lange, who's the assistant coach at Melbourne, who is going to be Melbourne's next coach once Mixtonia steps down. She started coaching at Darabin. Peter Searle started coaching at Darabin. Yeah. All yep. Of, it's not just in on-field talent. It's the coaching panels as well that are coming through those systems. So we need to acknowledge what Darabin have done and work out a way that they can fit into this system. Yeah. And hopefully it's not like what we were mentioning before with Preston, that they don't then get linked in with a VFL team and lose some of the history and lose that connect. Like as much as I want them to survive, and if that is the only way forward, um, you know, it's not the most ideal way. So, again, I'm not um, across the VFLW in detail, to, but it is one thing that, as I said, I wanted to ask you, who's pretty across it, that um, <laughs> the situation there. We've just done a big project with Darabin at Siren, so I know this stuff inside out. <laughs> <laughs> The right question at the right time. Um, okay. Now, I'm going to ask you one more question. Go for it. Um, so, oh, okay. This this is a question. I'm just going to edit that last bit out. I'll explain to you what's happening here in a moment. That's okay. So, in the last week's episode when I was talking to Eli the week before, sorry, he asked me some questions about player matchups. Um, I, one of those I wanted to ask you, I was going to lead off with it, but, uh, <laughs> I'll, we'll finish off with it in the end. Um, Gemma, he asked me, I'll see if I can, I'll put it in the audio here. It was along the lines of who, who the better player. He's got a cute list. <laughs> who the better player? Who, who's better? Aaron or Daisy? And he pronounced the surnames wrong cause he's six, but he wanted to know, who I thought was the better player purely on like what, you know, I was like, hard question, but Gemma, what's your, 
What's your take on uh, who's the better player? Purely might, as as of today. I might have an aneurysm. Um, oh, it depends on what you're talking about, who's the better player. Because... Now, this, this has to be a relatively short answer too. So this isn't a essay one. This is a... Oh, I don't know how to answer it short. Um, off-field Daisy, on-field Aaron. Great. That was a nice, succinct answer. I love it. As much as I want to say more, that's where I'm going to leave it. Now, which of those two, if you're going to name, there's obviously the AFLW awards don't aren't named as yet. They probably will at some point in the near future. Who gets what of those two? Well, as it stands, the VFLW best player uh, on uh, best player award, so the best and fairest award for the competition, is named the Lambert Pierce Medal and Pierce after okay. Daisy Pierce. Ah. Um. I would prefer, personally, we name some of these awards after pioneers that haven't had the opportunity to step onto the field because there are so right. many women who have done so much work who never got the opportunity. So we're thinking of a Sam Moston who was the first ever woman on the AFL commission and had to deal with Andrew Dimitri telling her that no one cares about women's footy. Um, We're talking about a Jan Cooper who is currently battling cancer, who was the WA representative and pushed women's footy so far in WA. We're talking about a Bree Brock, who is the women's CEO of the Brisbane Lions, who is the most incredible person you'll ever get to talk to. And I've had that privilege who pushed and pushed. And she's one of the reasons of Queensland state league exists for women. Um, and the yeah. reason the Brisbane Lions have been the powerhouse that they are. There's a Shiloh Curtis who pushed that in Victoria and is a big reason for talent pathways in Victoria for girls. There's so many names that I could say, but, you know, I would, there's a Debbie Lee, you know, I would love to see these, these women recognised in that way. Um, as much as I love Daisy Pierce and I love Erin Phillips and I love what the women that have had the opportunity to take the field um, are doing and what they represent, I would love to see the women who fought for them to have the right to be there be recognised. Yeah, that. that's a really good point. And obviously it's more than just the players that we know now who we've come on with since it was announced. Yeah, it's a great point. I, I think my answer was I think the at this point the uh, the Norm Smith should almost be the Erin Phillips if she wins it again. And I feel like that's <laughs> should, a fair. No, I think Darcy Vessio. Darcy Vessio is the only one that's won it twice. And she's the only player that's ever. Sorry, sorry not the Norm Smith, the um, best oh, Norm Smith. the Smith. No, no, you're right. Sorry. I was thinking Coleman. My bad. My bad. Yeah. I was like, for, one, for once, uh, for once, I was like, hang on a second. I thought I got it. I'm sorry. No, that was me. I was just thinking about how great Darcy Vessio is. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if we got close to something being called the Bowers. Uh, just quietly. Okay. Let's keep our eyes peeled for that. On that, we'll um, we'll leave that as the uh, the juicy nugget of the night. Gemma Bastiani, <laughs> thanks so much for talking Carlton, for talking AFLW, for talking VFLW, for talking football in general. Um, and give yourself a plug on where people can tune into Siren to you um, if they've made it through this far of of our one of our many recorded conversations. Thank you for letting me talk about all those things because I love them with my whole heart and it makes me really happy to be able to talk about those things. Um, 
whether it's about Carlton or Melbourne or the future Sydney Swans team. Uh, you can find me at JL Bastiani on Twitter. That's probably the best place. I'll, I pretty much share everything I do there, but um, also sirensport.com.au. You can sign up for our newsletter, which lands every Tuesday. And we have so much women's sport goodness in that newsletter. And um, during the AFLW season, I write, um, sorry to be obnoxious here, but I write the only, <laughs> the only in-depth analysis of AFLW each week. So that's where you can find me. <laughs> and uh, digging around stats, just digging. Oh, yeah. That, digging. On my Twitter, you will constantly see AFLW stats. Love it. <laughs> well, Gemma, we've I think we've chatted for like an hour. It's a treat. I might even break it up into two parts just to Yeah, sorry about know. that. Enough. We kind of knew. We said, "Oh, we'll keep it at 10 minutes," but we knew that that was never going to happen. Never. <laughs> um, you know, you start out with a goal in mind of having a short Carlton podcast and you talk about turning you end up talking about uh, Darabin Falcons for 20 minutes. Anyway, Good thanks so it. much. Check out Gemma on her socials and through Siren. There's a lot of great resources there, particularly if you're relatively un... Uh, you're not across women's sport in general in detail. Um, it's a great place to start. Thanks, Gemma. Until next time we do this, um, go the baggers. How do you think we'll go against Fremantle on the weekend? Do you think we'll get a W? I do not make a comment on that. Okay. She thinks she thinks we're going to lose. That's fine. So I have a soft spot for Fremantle. You know this. <laughs> anyway, that's a story for another time. Thanks, Gemma. <laughs> uh, we will do this again soon and uh, have a great week and go the baggers. Thanks, Jason.